But I would like to say just very quickly, the things that are going on in our nation are very, very keen on my mind. And I don't want you to ever think that I'm ignoring them. I am not ignoring them. I have a, had an amazing download last night from the Lord. And I thought I would have time to give it to you. But all I'm going to say, I won't give it to you right now, but I would say to you, keep your eyes on Jesus. And now to some of you, you may not know what that means. That means keep your eyes on Jesus. All right? You keep your eyes on Jesus and, and, and don't participate in the insanity in the world. I, I, I'm not requesting it. I'm giving you a charge. You keep your eyes on Jesus and do not participate in this insanity that's in the world. Amen. I want to continue to talk about Christmas, huh? <laughs> the, uh, the, still the Christmas story. The story continues part three. Uh, this is the works of Christ continue through us. I want you to know that. The works of Christ continue through us. And if you and I are not open to the works of Christ, they don't continue. But they do continue through us, the church. I'm looking at John chapter 6, verses 24 through 29. And I would love for you to really pay attention like you're in school because uh, what you miss could cost you your life. You know, when we travel around the world and the missions team, I always say to them, be attentive, be attentive. You know, uh, inattention could cost you your life and your teammates. And so you want to always pay attention. In John chapter 6, verses 24 through 29, the scripture reads, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, he had performed a great miracle of feeding the multitudes, nor his disciples, they got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. They were really seeking Jesus. They got into boats, went to the other side seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi or teacher, when did you come here? Now I want you to notice how Jesus answers them. I taught you last week that sometimes Jesus answers a direct question in an indirect way. And a, a lot of the times we think that God didn't answer us, and he answered us, but we were unaware of his answer. And here, in this case, Jesus answered them and said, they asked him, when did you come here? He says, most assuredly, or verily, verily, or truly, truly. He said, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs or the miracles but because you ate of the loaves and were filled, you did not seek me for the right reason. You sought me for something that is temporary, for, for loaves, for some fish, and that you were filled, and you want somebody to supply your natural needs. That's what Jesus is saying. Do not labor for the food which perishes. Now, what he, Jesus is saying that to them, and we think that we shouldn't labor for fish and loaves. But what Jesus is saying, that anything that sustains you, don't labor for that, that because it's going to perish. Yeah. Everything is going to perish. You know, we keep saying things like, well, I can't believe those people in the Old Testament didn't get it. Well, I can understand how they didn't get it. What I can't understand is how you didn't get it. <laughs> you know, that's what, what, what blows me away is that you have Jesus, you should get it. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. 
which the Son of Man, Jesus himself, will give you, which the Son of Man will give you. So don't labor. I want you to labor, but or I want you to, you, you to get after it. I want you to expend energy. I want you to show some effort, but not for those perishable things, not for temporary things, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So Jesus is saying to us in this verse that he is your food, i.e., he is the bread of heaven. He is the bread from heaven. So Jesus is saying, I came to give life to the world. He is not saying that the things you and I do every day, the things that we are enamored with, do not give us life. Sometimes people will say, athletes will say, for example, football is my life. Um, basketball is my life, tennis is my life, golf is my life. You know, and then you have people who would say things like, work is my life. No, Jesus came to be your life. Jesus came to be that which sustains us, and we should pay more attention. He says, he's, he will give you this food. And so Jesus is saying is that he will give us himself. This is why I love the fact that in this fellowship, we are totally focused on Jesus Christ. Totally focused on Jesus Christ. I remember a number of years ago when I determined I would preach nothing except Christ-centered messages. And somebody said, well, we need more than that. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? May, may I say it like I feel it? Can you imagine the ignorance of some people? I mean, that is being unaware, being unaware of God, being unaware of the purposes. And, and I want to say to you, that may sound harsh, but the, sometimes when you say very descriptive words, I mean good words, but descriptive words, people will get it. It is really a type of spiritual ignorance that we have we, when we go to church Maybe every Sunday or every other Sunday, you know, sometimes we may go on Wednesdays. But those of us who are always here should not be known by our spiritual ignorance. So, so um, after Jesus had said that they should labor for the food which endures everlasting life, in verse 28, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? I'm not sure if they understood Jesus' meaning, but they asked a good question. What might we do that we might do the works of God? What shall we do that we may do the works of God? So Jesus, said to, Jesus answered, saying to them, this is the work of God. So if you want to do the works of God, Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Now Jesus tells us, what is the single, single most important thing for you to do in your life? There is nothing that you can do beyond belief. When I, a number of years ago, again, when I was preaching on every, that you have one thing to do when you get up in the morning. This was 30-odd years ago. You have one thing to do when you get up every day is to believe God. And my, some of my fellow believers or pastors came on the radio and TV and, and, and contradicted my words. You know, they, they said, you, you have to do more than believe. Really? You see, believing is the catalyst that takes you into the things of God. It is the catalyst. And they would say things like, yes, demons believe. I said, no, they don't. 
I know the scripture says the demons believe and tremble, but they, do, they give mental assent. They believe in get, as in giving mental assent. They can never believe it because if they could believe like you and I believe, they would be saved. But they're not saved, and they're not going to be saved. No, yes, I do know the scripture that says the, the demons believe and tremble, but they can never believe like Jesus is saying that you and I should believe. Wow. Wow, you've got to believe, believers. You've got to believe, believers. I want to, I want to reiterate, uh, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So look, look, this is how the miraculous work of God is accomplished. I want you to just look at it. I'm going to read some verses from John chapter 5, and then you'll see how we are then called to continue the works of Jesus. We are called to continue the works of Jesus. As believers, you are called to continue the works of Jesus. You're not called, as my friend says, to have just a little relationship with the Lord, but you're called to continue. You see, we have not be been, and I'm, I'm not faulting you, but we have not been diligent seekers. You see, if you can't back away from the table, you're not diligently seeking. And don't tell me, Pastor, oh, Pastor, you have a gift for it. <laughs> I never had a gift for fasting. I had a desire to fast. It wasn't a gift. It was, it was because I saw something, I wanted it. And whatever it cost me, I wanted to, to pay it. I've seen athletes put their bodies through all kinds of crazy stuff because they have a goal. They want it. And those men and women who really want it generally will achieve it. Because they will do anything to have it. They work out incessantly. They work out. They study. They work. They study. They work. They study. For a perishable crown. Yes, yes, yes. But we for an imperishable. And we won't diligently seek the Lord. For without faith it is impossible. Without your believing God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to, to God. For without faith it is impossible to please him. Implying God. Right? For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Diligently seek him. John 5 says, verse 9, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, verily, verily, truly, truly. That's what that means. I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. So the one thing, <clears throat> to do the works of God, you have to know you can do nothing of yourself. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. Doesn't matter how well versed you are. Jesus says the Son of Man can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. But what he sees the Father do. And what you you have to come close enough to see what the Father's doing. I've given you multiple examples of me growing up and my dad saying, Come out here with me, son. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. Sometimes it was very cold outside. I wanted to stay in my comfort zone. Are you still listening? I want to stay in my comfort zone. There are many believers here and around the world who want to stay in their comfort zone, and you, you will never see what God is doing. You will never see what God is doing. He says, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, whatever the father does, the son also does in like manner because the son is close enough to see. Are you close enough with God to see? Or do you call on him only when you need something? Do you wake up in the middle of the night and somehow your, your, 
Your spirit has been talking. You were asleep, but your spirit has been talking and communing with God. <clears throat> and you wake up in the middle of the conversation. That's what I'm talking about. Get close enough. And then Jesus says, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So the second thing is, if you want to do the works of God, whatever you see in the spiritual eye, whatever you see you can have, and whatever you see him doing, you can do it too. The Son does in like manner. And then he says this, verse 20, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. The Father loves the Son and shows him all things. That he himself does. So I want to know what God is doing. Is that strange talk to you? I want to know what God is doing. I want to know what he is like. The, one of the, I guess singularly the most ardent desire I have is to see the face of Jesus. I want to know what he looks like. Do you have such a desire for him? If we, you do... I will say this, you are going to do the works of God. Amen. Listen, what Jesus is saying, he's showing us how he did what he did. He says, the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. He was talking to his audience that, uh, that was contrary to him. He says, you're going to marvel at the things that God shows me. And verse 21 says, for as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life. To whom he will. And we saw Jesus doing that in Luke 7, 14. In Luke 7, 14. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And that widow, uh, her only son was dead, and he gave him back to her. He says, you'll do the same thing if you get close enough to see God doing it. I to I've told you several stories about me being in a place where... I saw God doing something, and I did the same thing. Or I heard him say something, and I said the same thing. And there were miraculous results. Miraculous results. Miraculous results. Miraculous results. And that's what you want to do. You don't want to just be what, just a Christian in name. Oh, I'm a Christian. But you never have anything uh, going on in your life that shows that God is with you, that God is into is having a relationship with you, that God is fellowship with you, that God is showing you things. See, I know how to change a tire because I went with my dad and I watched him change the tire. I know how to change antifreeze, antifreeze or we call, you call it coolant these days, but I know how, when it starts to get cold, how to do that. I knew how to pull the, the, the freeze plug because I saw my daddy do it. Are you with me? So if you, if you don't know how to walk out your Christian life, you're not close enough to your daddy. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah, somebody. Yeah. Let's look at John 5.30. Jesus says again, I can of myself do nothing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his daddy, his own uh, uh, daddy, I, 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 I paused a moment because I was thinking his own proprio papa. <laughs> I'm thinking proprio, you know, which means your own dad. I do that for some reason. That's a word I had to really internalize. It's a Spanish word. But his own daddy, God engendered him through the Holy Spirit. 
he, he came upon Mary, and, and there this baby, Jesus, was in the womb. Jesus is God. He says, I can of myself do nothing. Now, if God's own son cannot do anything of himself, some might say, well, he could have. No, he couldn't have because he had chosen not to. He had, laid, he had disrobed, as it were. He had laid his divinity aside. He was a man like you and I, a person. This is what he says. As I hear, I judge. Some of us judge before we hear anything from God. We can just hear something from the news. We can hear anything from TV or, or one of those phony websites. By the way, stay away from those crazy websites. I'm talking about this is where I get the truth. This is where you get the, the true lies. <laughs> Come on, folks. <laughs> I mean the folks here and the folks there. <laughs> Come on. Look to Jesus. As I hear, I judge. And so Jesus then concludes this. He says, and my judgment is righteous. So the only way you can be assured that your judgment is righteous is when you get close enough to hear the voice of God, then your judgment is righteous. It doesn't matter what you conclude from other sources. And not notice what Jesus says. And this is the fourth reason, uh, a way rather we can do the works of God. He says, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I'm not in this thing to, to get what Don Lavelle wants. I'm here to do the will of God. I have no dog in these fights. I'm here for the will of God. And if you don't want my, my, my teaching, my preaching, which you do, I know you do. <laughs> Let me change it and say, you do, I hope you do. <laughs> But I have, I have no dogs in this fight. All I want to see is, is the Lord's will to be done. Now, now I, I want to talk to you about another way that you have to do or something you have to do and you have to be intentional about it. I want you to abide. Abide means to remain, to stay, to dwell in a given place, to endure there. And, and when you've done everything to stand, stand there. That's what you, you mean by abide. In John 14, John 14, verses 12 through 18, let's read them. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who be believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And so Jesus comes again and says, this is the fifth thing I want you to understand. You don't have to write them down, just internalize them. He says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So then we show that we believe in the Lord. I know there are people, there are apologists for this. They'll apologize and say, well, pastor, I didn't quite mean that. I mean every word of it. When you and I believe in the Lord, we, some of the works of God will manifest through you. They just will. And we've got so many amazing reports. Can I tell you when they, they start? They've been here in this ministry for 34 years, really. We've seen amazing miracles in this ministry for 34 years. More miracles than some of the people you send money to. It's true. I, I, we, we, we've had miracle after miracle. People being healed, people with cancer, and we rebuke that thing in the name of Jesus. Cancer, cancer, we command you to leave. In Jesus' name, the people of God. Leave their bodies in Jesus' name. Come on. And, and so we've had great miracles. I, got, I, I heard of a, a great miracle. I'm not going to tell you the miracle. You're going to have to come to church. 
And there's a great miracle that, that just recently uh, I, I was told of. And I actually I talked to the person, and the person was telling me, I just, my, my tear ducts wouldn't hold. My tear ducts wouldn't hold. You know, they, they're pretty weak anyway, but, but boy, they really, really gushed. And so you're going to hear about another amazing miracle right here in the midst of us very soon. And Jesus goes on to say that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the, that, that is, I'm sorry, that I will do. Now, now listen to what he says. And so we, you and I are going to have to be intentional that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that, he says, I'm going to do it. Why? And you're going to be able to because I'm going to go to the Father. What, what does that mean? That means that I'm going to intercede for you. What does that mean? That means that every time the Father, father just looks to the right, he's going to see me. You know, uh, that is, uh, he and I are going to be shoulder to shoulder. And he's going to know that I, as a man, overcame so that I could bring a whole company of people up here. That I could bring a whole company of people to rule. So, so the works of Christ must continue. You and I should be able to speak things that, the, that will cause the world to shut up, to shut up. If we are to abide, we must be intentional. Do your work intentionally. Amen. Amen. Let's look at verse 14. Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, see, these things go hand in hand. If, if you ask anything in my name, if you love me. So Jesus says, I will do it if you ask. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so what Jesus wants is an obedient people. You don't want to keep the commandments that are easier for you, but you want to keep all the commandments of God. And don't ever say to God, I'm not ready yet. You may die not ready. I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. This, uh, and then he says, and I will pray to the Father, he will give you another helper. He will give you another, uh, he will give you a, 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 a paraclete. He will give you the paracletos, the Holy Spirit. He says that he may abide with you forever. Now, listen to what Jesus is saying. Uh, he said, I'm going to give you another helper that he may abide with you, stay with you, dwell with you, remain in place with you. That's how long? Forever. Forever. And he says the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Who, who cannot receive him? The world cannot receive him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Why? For he dwells with you and will be in you. Now he said to the disciples, he dwells with you. But later he's going to be in you. And you and I are the results of the in you. Because on the day of Pentecost when it was fully come, they were gathered together in one accord. And he came not just to be with them, but to be in them. Mm, spirit of truth. I will not leave you or orphans. I will come to you. And Jesus says, I will come to you. And what Jesus is saying in this, in this portion of Scripture, I'm going to be in you. When the Holy Spirit comes in you, I'm coming because we are one. I'm coming. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Mm -mm. 
Too many of God's children do not live this life because they are conflicted. Conflicted. The times in which we are living are revealing our inner weaknesses and our inner conflicts. All this stuff is revealing us. I told you 12 years ago, no, more than 12 years ago, that this was more about the church than the world. And some people hearing me went out into the world. Left and went out there. Even some of them, well, I won't go that far. That would be too much information. Conflict. To come into collision or disagreement. So inside you, you got a collision going on. You got disagreement in yourself. If, you're, if you are divided against yourself, how can you, you stand? How can you function? Wow. To be contradictory. You, you're going to contradict yourself. Conflict. In opposition to yourself. Struggling in yourself. Fighting. Contradiction means to, uh, uh, to speak against. So you're speaking against your best interest. John 15, 4. Let me hurry. 15, 4. Jesus says again, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it where abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit. Does what? Much fruit. Bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He didn't say you can't do. He says you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Let my words abide in you, Jesus says. Let my words remain in you. That means, that means something. That means that you and I have to guard our heart. That's exactly what that means. It means guard our heart. It doesn't mean that you are not going to be saved. It means that you're going to lose reward. Now, if, as Pastor Jackson shared this morning, uh, the pastor of our, our uh, youth, as he pe uh, pre uh, preached this morning, he said he, he was talking about this particular subject. And uh, we were he was talking about um, this, this, the, the fact that you have to, to be intentional. It wasn't his exact words, but you have to guard that. You can't be lazy, he said. You, know, you can't be lazy because laziness is equated with wickedness. Laziness is equated with wickedness. You say, well, I haven't shot anybody. I didn't use profanity against anybody, but you're lazy. And to God, that's a wicked serpent. Why? Because he has given you all the strength and energy you need to, to live a thousand millennia. You have the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me run. Let me run. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. You want to glorify God? By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. As the Father loved me, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. As the Father, in the same manner the God the Father loved me, I, and that, in that manner I have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Stay in my love. You can stay. But you say, well, I couldn't. I was so weak. No. I, I, I got to be careful here. That's not a true statement. 
Not one of us has gone out because God didn't adequately provide strength for us. Each one of us, if we left God or when we left God, we left on our own volition. It was because we wanted something out there more than we wanted God. If you don't listen to, to the words of God, the words of truth and, and sobriety right here from this podium, if you don't listen to them, it's because you don't want them. Because God has given you open an ears to hear. So that means you have to say, like we did as kids, ah. remember that? Come on. I'm, uh, Brother James, I'm almost. But not yet. As the Father loved me, I loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you don't have to do it by human energy and strength. You do it by the Holy Spirit. He said, you can, you can keep that love of God. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to leave this message alone. There's so much more I wanted to share with you. But I'm going to leave it alone right now. John uses this word abide 66 times. 66 times. 40 in the Gospel of John and 26 in his epistles. He uses this word abide 66 times. So if you really want to do the works of God, you're going to have to learn how to abide. That is, just stay where Jesus told you. Uh, my dad used to say to me, he said, son, he said, uh, stay here. I'll be back after a while. You know, when my dad would say this, it would be usually night and dad was going down to get the cows who had gotten out of our pasture. He said, stay right here, son. And, and I guarantee you, as I've told you multiple times, there were all kinds of little critters in the bush and they were and I wanted to leave where daddy had me. I, I wanted to run away from where daddy had me. I want you to listen to this. You, I know that there are things going on in your lives and you want to run away from where daddy told you to stay. But if you stay, there's a blessing. John says, abide. I'll be back in a moment.